Well, I guess there's at least one consolation not having our fellowship time together is that uh, I get more time to preach. So, <laughs> Thank you guys this morning. I miss our fellowship. Uh, miss chatting with you guys, shaking your hands, and just uh, having that good time together as a family. So maybe when things get better, we'll be able to continue with confidence on our greeting each other. So welcome this morning. It's so good to be here. Uh, I really reaffirm what Brother Bill was asking you today to pray for those in Nashville and Central and Middle Tennessee area that uh, they uh, have God's comfort and God's grace and peace as they recover. Uh, I pastored in that area for about seven years in Cookville. And so when we heard the news, uh, we had uh, former church members call and get in contact with us. And one of those is a lady who uh, lives very close to the church I pastor. We found out through her that they had no sustained damage where they were south of town. Everything seemed to happen north of town. And so uh, we were really glad to hear that. But she shared with us about a second cousin that she had. And her second cousin that hit her home. Uh, she was airlifted to Erlanger, but her husband, child, and a nanny that they had working for them all were killed uh, in, uh, in their home. And so uh, stories like that uh, about people who are touched by the storms. Uh, so please continue to pray for the area. Uh, we're trying to find out what we can do to help, uh, how we can help them. It looks like this summer we'll focus our mission trip project to Cookville. And that'll be um, June the something, 17th, <laughs> Father's Day. I think it's the 17th of June. It'll be the uh, afternoon we'll leave, and then we'll go from there uh, for a week. So uh, mark that in your calendar and um, come and help us to uh, help them as well. I want to invite you to turn your Bibles, if you would, with me together to Matthew chapter 6. Uh, we've been looking at a series of calls that God places on our life. Uh, the greatest call that God ever gives to us is a call to salvation. Uh, that calls, God calls us out to Him to be saved, to uh, trust Him, to believe in Him, to have a personal relationship with Him, uh, calling from, uh, to salvation from destruction and separation from God. You know, God always calls us from something to something else. And so he's calls us certainly to salvation. Another call that we saw uh, was uh, a call uh, to surrender. Uh, you see, uh, a call to surrender is that call from being in rebellion against God to surrendering to him, to giving our lives completely and wholly to his wisdom, his care, his leadership, uh, and just completely trusting him. This morning, I want you to follow with me, if you would, in Matthew chapter 6. And it's a call to seek Him, to come after Him, to pursue Him uh, in our life. You know, as long as we're here in this world, we ought to be living a life of pursuit, of, of following after, chasing after uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, isn't it always true that we're always pursuing something? I mean, if that's true, if you look at our lives, we can all identify things that we're pursuing. Or that we're seeking after. Some of us are seeking after an education. So you're putting all kinds of study time and all your energy and, and all your brain power into studying and preparing so that you'll be able to test well and, and be able to pursue that education that you want. Uh, some of us are pur pursuing a career right now. 
We're right in the middle of our work life, and so we're going after uh, certain things as we pursue those. Uh, some of us are pursuing motherhood, fatherhood, grandparenthood, uh, some type of pursuit that we have, maybe to be better at certain things that we want to. We're always seeking after something or pursuing after something. And so Jesus reminded the disciples of that very thing. And he lifted them up to lofty goals. And in those lofty goals, he said, Hey, pursue the kingdom of God and my righteousness. And with that came this unique promise. And so follow along with me, if you would, in Matthew chapter 6. I want to begin at verse 31 and read through the end of the chapter. And the scripture says this, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Bow with me if you would, and let's pray this morning. Father in heaven, we're so grateful today that you're a God who protects and preserves, that you're a God who cares and a God who that really seeks our good and your glory. Lord, I just pray today that as we think about this seeking of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and what it means to our life, how it'll affect us and how it'll change the, uh, the very life that we have, Lord, we hunger for this knowledge and understanding. Lord, I pray this morning that you'll open our, our minds and hearts. In our minds, we might be seeking something this morning that doesn't have anything to do with the worship time. Lord, I pray that you'll just uh, take that away now and help us to focus on you. Lord, I pray that you'll guard through your great power this time together that we have. And Lord, that we'll understand and learn and discern and become stronger and more committed to you because the fact that we've been here this morning. Now, Father, I pray that you'll take this word and, Lord, uh, explain it to our hearts today in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as you think about the, the idea of being called to seek, it's really a high calling. Paul talked about it in Philippians chapter 3 when he says as believers that we should press toward the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And what Paul was saying in a different way is he's saying that the really the the keystone of our life or the focus of our life should be one of seeking the Lord Jesus Christ, seeking to understand Him, seeking to follow Him and serve Him. And so this particular passage echoes the very thing that Scripture teaches us is the fact that as believers we need to seek Jesus Christ. God is calling us to seek Him. What does that mean or how does that actually affect our lives or how does it play out in our lives? Well, let me give you some things this morning from this passage of Scripture and this idea of a call that God is calling us to seek Him. First of all, if God is calling us to seek Him, the one thing that we need to realize is that there's the necessity of the pursuit of Jesus Christ. We've got to pursue Him. That's what seek is. It is to pursue something or to go after it. And not only to go after it, but to go after it passionately. God is calling us to a, a passionate pursuit of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we're to follow after Him. Now, when you think about it, especially in reference to these verses, as we pursue Jesus Christ, that uh, there's a, a purposeful nature to our pursuit of Jesus Christ. In other words, it has a reason. Why should we pursue Him? 
Why should we go after him? Right? Isn't that the question we often ask when God says, hey, you know what you need to do? You need to do this. And uh, my question is always, well, why do I need to do that? Or why do you want me to do that? I might ask the question, what does that look like? Or how's that going to benefit me? Or, you know, uh, what, what do I need to do that? But one of the things that we better realize is that there's a purpose uh, behind why God calls us to seek Him. If you look at verses 25 uh, and verse 26, we didn't cover those, but I want to bring those into our, our look this morning, that one of the reasons is that we need to seek Him. God says, seek, seek me, and, and the purpose is because you need me. Uh, we don't always confess our weaknesses, but listen, as believers, we better understand fully that we need Jesus Christ, that we can't do anything, Scripture says, without him. Jesus said, for, for without me, you can do nothing. And that means exactly that. We can do nothing. We can't accomplish anything for eternity. Uh, we, we can't affect others' lives in a meaningful way apart from Jesus Christ. Uh, our own lives can't be affected in a meaningful way apart from Jesus Christ. We need Him. We face things in life that will directly and impactfully remind us that we need Him. Now listen, think about the context that was going on here. It was in the context of worry. Jesus is given this information because he was looking at a crowd of people that worried. Anybody in here worry today? Anybody? Amen. I've got a couple of people who are telling the truth. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, we, uh, we worry. We all worry about certain things. As a matter of fact, we can really be creative in our worry. We can find things to worry about that, that re- really compiled uh, on top of things that we worry about. We can worry about worrying. I worry that I worry too much. And so all these things are things that, that we really need Jesus Christ to help us with. And here in these verses, uh, in this greater context, there's the worry or anxiety. We know what that is, right? Six times in seven verses, Jesus speaks about worry. See, that's the focus of what he's getting at here. You know, it's estimated in America today that 20% of Americans are, are affected by anxiety. Can you imagine that? So if we're looking around, 20% of us here this morning have not, not just a minimal effect, but, but some kind of at least marginal or even greater effect because of the anxiety that we have in our lives today. Now listen, that anxiety uh, manifests itself uh, often in, in, in anxiety kind of disorders, but the most ma- way it manifests itself is through depression. We just worry, and you know what happens? That worry drags us down. We worry and we get depressed. We worry and we get discouraged. If we worry long enough, we'll get deeply discouraged and deeply depressed, and along with other things. And so uh, what do we need to help mitigate that worry and that anxiety? Jesus Christ. He's the answer to those things. Uh, he has what we need, and we need to seek him because he has what, he need, uh, what we need. Uh, listen to what he says in verse 25. Uh, he, he shares some promises in verse 25. He says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor your body. What you will put on uh, is life not more than food and the body more than clothing. So what's Jesus saying? He says, don't worry about, uh, about life. Don't worry about your food. Don't worry about your clothing. He's really getting at the base, basic things, isn't he? Uh, he says, don't worry about those. And then he goes on not only and reminds us that God will take care of us in those things, but he also reminds us that uh, there's this also this sense of 
priority that we need to remember. He says life is more important than that. He says life is more important than what you eat. Uh, It's more important than what you wear. It's more important than the home that you live in. Uh, it's just it's not worth worrying about the things that you wear, eat, or where you live. Okay? Say amen. Say, well, Brother Mike, you, you, know, you know what kind of culture, society that we live in today. People worry about those things. Uh, listen, you're more important than that. Jesus says you're more important than that. So don't get hung up on those things is what he's saying. Uh, you know, one of the greatest uh, things that I've experienced, and it's happened recently, uh, with Jackie and I is when the, we uh, sold a home we had, uh, much bigger than we needed, and we got rid of all kinds of things. All kind. Of, listen, I want to tell you, we got rid of all kinds of things. We had stored and gathered for years. We'd been married a long time, Jackie and I have, and you know how that is over the years. You gather and you collect, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not using the H word. I didn't say that. Not hoard, but we gathered and we collected. We had collections of things. That makes it more sophisticated, doesn't it? Uh, you know, we had this collection and we had that collection and we had that one. And so we gathered up all these things. And when we moved, uh, we built a really small house. And when we did that, we couldn't take all the collections that we had with us. And so we had to figure out how to get rid of those collections. Now, we started, first of all, we invited all our kids to come. Say, come get what you want. You know, all this is up for you. You can have anything you want. You, you get it, take it home with you. So they went through and they got what they wanted. Then after multitudes of yard sales, right, we got down to what you just can't sell, you know, that stuff, that collection that's on the lower end of the scale. And so we started loading and hauling that collection up and we hauled some of it to we care. We hauled a bunch of it to we don't care. That's the dump. And so, so we got rid of all these things, uh, and uh, and it was one of the most freeing things that we've we've ever experienced, uh, because we didn't have to worry about any of that stuff anymore. So we got rid of about eighty percent of the stuff that we worried about. So now we were eighty percent freer to really, really not worry. And so Jesus reminds us, he says, your life's more than that. It's more than the kind of clothes you wear. It's more than the number of clothes you have in your closet. It's more than the amount of food or the type of food that you eat. It's more than the restaurants that you go to. It's more than the kind of car you drive, the house you live in. It's much more than that. You mean much more than that. And so he gives us a sense of, in our pursuit for him, uh, the idea that we need him. Listen to what he says in verse 31. Reminds again, he says in verse 31, he says, uh, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For all these things the Gentiles seek. For the Heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. So what's Jesus saying? He's saying, look, you, you know, don't worry. God knows what you need. He's going to care for you. He's going to take care of you. He's going to look after you. And, and he's going to watch for you. As a matter of fact, back in verse 26, another reference, he says this. He says, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? So Jesus is reminding them, listen, God takes care of his creation. 
God takes care of his children. And he'll take care of you. And he, he gave us evidence that he is watching after us. You see, the pursuit of Jesus Christ, there's a purposeful nature to it. We need him. Let me give you a second thing. Not only that, but there's a personal nature to it as well. He says, but seek first. Now, if we were writing this in English, we'd be equally as correct if we put the pronoun in where it says, but you seek first. Because the reference is you and I are the ones that he was talking to. Those disciples that were within earshot of Jesus Christ, when he said, but seek first, he was saying to them, you seek first. 2,000 years now, when we read it in the Word of God, he's saying it to us. He's saying, but you seek first. And he talks about it in a sense of a personal nature. And so what God is calling us that it's, and saying to us is up to us. Isn't it? To make that decision personally to follow Him. To have this one-on-one relationship with Him. We live in times where there are tremendous numbers of ways to be exposed to Christian things, isn't there? I mean, it's all around us. Uh, we can look and we don't have to go very far. We've got the radio, uh, Christian radio. We've got Christian television. Uh, we've got guys uh, on television that preach. We've got virtual churches on the Internet. Uh, I mean, there's all kinds of ways. There's podcasts, books, events, all these kind of things that we can get Christian information. Uh, But is that really the way that God has really designed for us to take in that information? Well, certainly it's it's one way. And And I'm not knocking that. I've used all those things and enjoy all those things. But listen, it's like being fed by someone else. Have you ever had that happen for you? Have you, have you ever, maybe you felt bad or sick or something, somebody else had to feed you. Have that ever happened? Or we, we got a new little great granddaughter here. She's on the front row. And, and so uh, we get to feed her now. And so we take food and we feed her. And, 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 and the problem with this is, or the idea is, is that, that when someone's feeding you, you get what they want you to have. Right? I mean, it's whatever subject. Uh, is 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 the, their topic? Then you get what they want you have. So when we feed our little granddaughter, she gets what we want her to have. She gets that combination of uh, of prunes and green beans and apples. You know that that really good stuff. And so, so we give her that combination, and and, and she just you know she just kind of has to take it. Uh, when somebody else is feeding you as well, you you get it when they want you to have it, right? I mean, she may be ready for some more, and we're not ready to give it to her. She, she's really good about letting us know. Uh, or, or she may not want any more, and here it comes. Uh, uh, rejection. Uh, but, but yet, you know, when someone else is feeding you, you get, you get it when they want you to have it. You know, is it what you need, or... Is it really what's beneficial? Uh, and then another thing is, is that you get the amount they want you to have. In other words, when we feed her, we might scoop up a big spoonful or we might scoop up a little spoonful. Uh, and you see, the problem is when we're not feeding at some point in some way ourselves in the Word of God, that it may not be as beneficial as it is if we are getting it from somewhere else. See what I'm saying? Is that we, listen, God knows what we need 
And we know it when we get it. And so when we pursue the Lord Jesus Christ, it has to be personal. We, we go after him. We pursue him. And when he responds to us, then we recognize that response. And then we can fixate on the things that he's showing us in that particular time. Listen, I'm not against any of these things. Well, look, fill your mind and your heart with the word of God any way you can. But I'm telling you, don't dismiss your own personal pursuit of the Lord Jesus Christ. Personal nature. Paul said, be diligent to present yourself approved of God. In other words, he says, be a learner. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. When Paul visited in, Th- in uh, Thessalonica, he moved on to an area called where the Bereans lived. And in the book of Acts, he speaks about the Bereans and his visit there. And he says this, he says, They were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word from all, with all readiness and searched the scripture daily to find out whether the things were so. What Paul was saying is that they took the word in and they began to examine the word and they tested the word against itself so that they might know what it was is true. So they did their own due diligence in the word of God. And that's really what we need to do and how we ought to pattern our lives as well is that we examine things ourselves. Well, in pursuing Jesus Christ, if you look at verse 33, there's a perpetual nature that's associated with it as well. He says, but seek first. The Greek language, this is in the, really, it's in the present active imperative tense. Now, that's a bunch of stuff. What it means is, we could translate it like this, always keep on seeking first. Always keep on seeking first. That there's never a time that we need to stop. In other words, we, can't, we shouldn't get to the place where we get to a certain age or a certain age of our faith and we say, look, I don't need to pursue anymore. I don't need to be active anymore. I don't need to be searching after Jesus Christ. We will never get to that place. Or should never, let me say that, should never get to that place. We ought to press on toward that upward call. We ought to always be pursuing the Lord Jesus Christ in that relationship with Him. Uh, Seeking Him always in in a relationship. Always keep on seeking Him. It has to be a continual thing. As we do that, what we'll find that we'll step out in this pursuit of Him. So... God calls us to seek Him. How do we do that? One of the things that we do is we pursue Jesus Christ. Let me give you a second thing. Not only do we pursue Jesus Christ, but if you'll think a little bit further with me and look a little bit further, is that we make Him a priority. There's the priority of Jesus. If we're going to seek Him, certainly we do that because He's important. Because it makes a difference that we're pursuing Him. Uh, You know, when we think about it, it's not pursuing knowledge of the Word or it's not pursuing knowledge in the sense, but it's pursuing the person of Jesus Christ. That becomes a priority for us. What does Paul say? He says, or Jesus say, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, what does all that mean? First of all, he gives us the order. He says, first. Now, the word first means first. 
First in prominence. First in importance. First because it's the best. First because he's first. And he ought to be first in our life. There ought to be no other pursuit that comes uh, before our pursuit of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, Brother Mike, now uh, you're making priorities here and you're telling me that Jesus Christ ought to be priority one. Listen, I'm begging you to understand this morning that Jesus Christ must be priority number one. You say, well, what about my family? Well, listen, your, your family and your relationship with your family, whether you're a husband, a wife, mom, dad, child, is, is not going to be a very good relationship in that family until you put Jesus Christ first. If you look at the design for the family and the instruction that God gives to the different members of the family, we can't be those things if Jesus Christ is number one. As a husband, how can we love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave his life for her without Jesus being number one? How as a wife can you submit to your own husband as in the Lord unless Jesus Christ is number one in your life? Children, how can you obey your parents as in the Lord? Amen. (laughs) Without Jesus Christ being first in your life. So now all of a sudden he says, here's the order of priority. Jesus is number one. Put him first in our life, as, and, and, and putting him first means that we'll pursue him. And then he goes on, not only he gives the order, but he gives the object. Uh, how do we do that? Uh, he says, seek ye first, what does he say? The kingdom of God. And what does that mean? You know, the kingdom of God is really the same in other places in Scripture. Uh, the same kind of phrase is the kingdom of heaven. You've seen that? Sometimes it's the kingdom of heaven. Sometimes it's the kingdom of God. But it's really a reference to the same thing. The kingdom is now manifested in the realm of the saved and in the hearts of the believers and in those on earth and in all those who are in heaven. In other words, the kingdom of heaven is about salvation. It's those who are saved. It's those who are going to be saved. That's really the kingdom of heaven. Now, the kingdom of heaven is going to be established literally here on this earth. There's coming a day when Jesus Christ will return. He'll bring those that are saved with him. Uh, He'll, he'll, uh, uh, you know, uh, change those who are alive here on earth that are believers and, and then he'll, he'll destroy his enemies. And then he'll establish this kingdom on, on this earth. But yet it really focuses on the idea of salvation. So what he's saying is seek first the kingdom of salvation or being saved or, or, or what it entails for you to be saved. Or that you, everything that encompasses a relationship with Jesus Christ as a believer. That's what he's saying to see. He's, he's saying to seek that, that kingdom, that authority in Christ uh, that he has over all believers. And so he's saying seek that first. And then he goes on to say, and his righteousness. The, the idea of righteousness is, is simply the way of doing and being right with God. That's what righteousness is, isn't it? So I need to seek out the things that help me become closer to God that are more right with him. You see, I ought to do, we, we really ought to do an examination pretty often about our lives. And we ought to examine the things in our life and really determine whether or not is this, is this, more, is this bringing me more closer to the Lord Jesus Christ or less? Is this moving me further and deeper in my relationship with him or, or is this less? Now look, we can apply that to everything. 
It, it may be, you, you know, I remember one time in my life, I had to think about the job that I had. And, and I really had to think about this job that I had. Is this job keeping me from who God wants me to become? And the answer was absolutely yes. And so I'm sitting back thinking, Lord, now you, you've revealed this to me. What am I going to do now? Uh, and uh, the only thing that I could come up with at the time is getting another job. So I got another job. You know, uh, it may be this certain activity that I'm doing. It may be because I'm so consumed by certain things that I'm spending more time in certain places than I, than I ever... And it may not be a bad thing. But when it consumes our time and keeps us from God, it may not be the right thing. And so I have to evaluate those things. What is it? What is it? If I'm going to make Jesus Christ a priority in my life, then I have to examine those things. Are these things that I'm doing, are they making me more right with God or less right with Him? Uh, it also has to do with the attitude and the character of Christ. Righteousness does. In other words, am I more Christ-like in my thinking because of what I'm exposing myself to? Or am I less Christ-like in my thinking? Is my attitude more humble with greater humility because of what I'm holding on to or is it less? Is it more, am I more like Jesus Christ or less like him? So all those things are deep examinations, deep personal things that we all have to wrestle with if we want to make Jesus Christ a priority in our life. And so he says, listen, in this seeking of God, Jesus, we have to pursue him. That pursuit has to be number one. Now, last thing. What happens when we pursue and seek the kingdom of God? And there's the promise of Jesus Christ. What does he say? Well, look at verse 33 at the end. Promise of provision, right? What does he say in verse 33? He says, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. That's the promise of provision in it. Jesus says, look, if you'll come after me, I'll take care of everything else. I'll work in your life in a way that I can open doors and resources into your life that you could never do on your own. So don't worry, I'll take care of you. Listen, if, you don't, if you've never had that happen to your life, you better believe me that if you're pursuing Jesus Christ no matter what, he can open doors and resources in your life to give you what you need that you cannot imagine and that you cannot believe. Now, I want to testify to that today. I can't tell you how many times in my life, especially early on in the ministry, when, G, when Jackie and I, we were just looking for uh, uh, serving Jesus Christ. We uh, kind of gave up what we had to be able to serve him. And, and uh, we struggled mightily with food and clothes and house uh, and, and things like that. And, and every time that we had a need, it was absolutely amazing how God opened a resource. One of the greatest struggles that we had was when God called uh, and opened the door for me to go into ministry full time. Church over in Cookville got in touch with me and they said, we want you to come and we want you to pastor the church and, um, you know, we want you to do it full time and we're a small church and don't know what we're going to be able to do, but we just want you to come. And so without asking, uh, I never asked what we were going to make, never asked how much money they were going to pay me. 
uh, never asked anything financially. Uh, I just felt in my heart, if I were to go there, that God would take care of us. And so all of a sudden, we went. Uh, we sold everything pretty much that we had to be able to, to get into a place where we could go. We sold our vehicles. We sold our stuff. We sold pretty much everything. And one of the things that I had that uh, my son really loved, I had a motorcycle. And I'd take him all over the place. We'd ride that motorcycle. Uh, he loved it, but I had to sell it. Really hard for him to understand why. Why we have to give all these things up. So when we got over there, two Sundays into our being there, one of my deacons come along. He said, hey, Brother Mike, after dinner, why don't you bring Aaron and come over to my house? And I said, okay, we'll, we'll be over there about 2 o'clock. And so we came over there about 2 o'clock. He didn't know this happened. Hadn't shared it with anybody, none of those kind of things. He said, I've got something I want to give you. And he walked me down to his garage, and he said, I've got two motorcycles. One is a large one for you, and the other one is small enough for Aaron to ride. You talk about a faith builder. I mean, my son saw that if we were willing to give up whatever we had for the Lord, that God would open resources to give us even more than we had before. He'll do that. A promise of provision. If you seek Him, He'll take care of you. Let me give you a second promise. Not only a promise of provision, but a promise of peace. A promise of peace. Uh, verse 34, he says, uh, in verse 34, Therefore do not worry. Jesus given all this information, all this instruction in the context of people that are worried. Listen, we live in the world today. Hey, we, we, we live in the coronavirus, right? Time for you. I, I mean, I, I've seen some people do so. I saw on TV that they were a congressman wearing a gas mask in Congress. Are you kidding me? I mean, maybe it's for other reasons, but <laughs> might have smelled so bad there. I don't know, but. But uh, I, I want to assure you, God will give us peace if we'll pursue Him. He'll take our anxiety and our worry and He'll calm it down and He'll give us a sense of peace if we follow Him. That's His promise. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Right? And then finally, there's the promise of perspective. God, God will give us some perspective, how we can process these struggles that we have. How we can think about them in a way where they won't get so big and so out of hand and, and, and really cause us so much grief. What did he say? Sufficient for the day uh, is, it, uh, uh, is its own trouble. In other words, Jesus says, listen, don't worry today because there's going to be plenty to worry about tomorrow. You won't run out of things to worry about because there'll be plenty tomorrow. Puts it in perspective, doesn't he? You see, all these things God promises to us if we will seek him. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Pray with me if you would. Father in heaven, we are so